entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com and I hope you've all had a good week since the last show and I'm delighted to be on the show today and talking about uh, disruptive change with our guest uh, today, Graham Codrington. Uh, now, with some of the areas of the United States suffering terribly with fires this year, um, the United Kingdom is bathed in water at the moment. And I was looking at the damage of a tornado last night. It was only a mile from my home and you know, the weather has been quite incredible and we've actually got some minor damage still to repair to our home and yet today um, I've had to collect my oldest son from school as the road outside our home is deep in flood water and rain is still pouring down. Um, I wish everyone around the world is going through such issues right now the very best of luck um, but the title Disruptive Change right now feels such an appropriate title um, today. Now there's no doubt that there's not just the, it's not just the weather that's changing is it? The Rules for business success and failure in, in business are changing as revolutionary companies like Apple and Google and Facebook and Virgin impact the world. There's economies in crisis. The euro continues to be in crisis. Many Spanish banks at the moment are being downgraded. We've still got Greece uh, in the euro at the minute, but still things are unsettled. Uh, the British Chancellor here continues his sequence of U-turns on fiscal policy. There's volatility, uncertainty, nervousness. These seem to be the themes that are dominating the world right now. And therefore, it seems very important to be talking about these sorts of things and how we can handle change. I mean, my guest this week was on a show on the BBC talking about corporate scandals this week. And interestingly, I found myself on that as well. Um, as a business owner, we've got to be learning to navigate these disruptive changes. And actually, perhaps, they yield the greatest of opportunities for us. Now, I first heard my guest a couple of years ago. I was actually at a conference, and I overheard a group of people who were discussing the most memorable speech that they'd ever seen. And they said that it was by someone called Graham Codrington, and it was called Hannah's Rules. So I looked it up on YouTube, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm delighted, therefore, that a couple of years later, I've got um, the internationally acclaimed expert on the changing world of work, Dr. Graham Codrington himself, actually joining us today. Now, Graham is the co-founder of Tomorrow Today. It's a global firm of futurists, and he speaks internationally to over 100,000 people in more than 25 countries every single year. Um, he's a guest lecturer at four top business schools, including the London Business School. He's got five degrees, including a doctorate, four best-selling published books, including the award-winning Mind the Gap. And he's got extensive business experience. So a highly qualified um, chap. And it's a delight to welcome today Graham Codrington. Thanks, Chris. Lovely to be with you. Uh, a pleasure to have you today. I hope you're not uh, disrupted wherever you are today with the, with the weather and things like that. Whereabouts do you well, live? Yeah, we, we were expecting to be disrupted today. The, we, we were told that we should expect about a month 
rainfall today but uh, I actually live near Wimbledon so uh, anybody listening to this live who's uh, watching Wimbledon uh, will know they're just opening the roof and the the sun is coming out so we're looking okay I I hope you're surviving with water flowing past your front door. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately I'm slightly up on the hill we can just sort of we're looking down on it at the minute so hopefully it doesn't come any higher. So I'm just interested to really start the, the conversation Graham with getting a perspective from you in terms of what in your opinion, is disruptive change? Well, we live, as, as you said in your introduction, in a remarkable time in, in history. And I think uh, too often we don't recognize how dramatic the changes are that are going on around us. Uh, about once every 150 or 200 years or so, uh, all the forces of society, political, economic, social, corporate, uh, they all change at the same time. And when that happens, history sort of takes notice. We look back in history and we see that happening at at the times of the the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, at the time of the Reformation, the time of the Industrial uh, Revolution. And I really do believe that's what we're living through at the moment, where in almost every aspect of our lives and our work, uh, there is change. Uh, and it's not just constant change, it's also a, a step change, it's dramatic change. It, it's change not just where we're, we're getting faster or, or better or more of the same things, uh, we're actually shifting dramatically. So that's why we talk about uh, disruptive change in, in my company tomorrow today. We help uh, people to understand what these disruptive changes are and, and how we can respond to them. Uh, do you think we'll we'll go through this period and then it will be a, a, a settled phase again? I mean, how long do these periods tend to last? Well, this is not going to be good news, I don't think. These periods tend to last between 30 and, and 50 years. Uh, and I would probably pinpoint the start of the one that we're in in, in about 1989. Uh, 1989 being the year the Berlin Wall came down, the, the year communism collapsed. It was the year of Tiananmen Square in China. It was also the year that the, the World Wide Web, uh, as we know it today, was invented. The, the, the coding of HTML was invented by Tim Berners-Lee. And, and so, you know, if you want a date when this disruption began, uh, we've then seen the rise of the, the internet, the, the mobile phones, the, the world that we live in, the fact that, that you and I can do this radio show right now is because of these disruptive changes. And so I, I'm guessing we've, we've got another 20 years of this to go, which means that people right now need to not just be gritting their teeth and holding on and waiting for things to go back to normal. Um, I don't think they are going to go back to normal. Maybe 20 years from now we'll, we'll settle down and we'll, we'll go through a settled phase of history again. But certainly you, uh, Chris, me and, and all the other business leaders listening to, to the show need to understand we've got to learn how to live with change uh, in our lives. I, I kind of wonder actually with, you know, we ha- as you mentioned, you know, the World Wide Web has, has changed a lot of, lot of things. But that, the way that technology is just accelerating year on, year on, I mean, will that realistically stop in 20 years or is it not just going to keep on going and we're not going to experience this now? Well, no, I don't think so. So uh, let me give you a simple example. The the printing press uh, was the uh, technology that allowed us to change the way we communicated. Up to that point, throughout most of history, we had been in one-to-one communication. 
you know, you would go to, to the teacher and the teacher would teach you and one-to-one -one was the best form of communication. The printing press allowed us to go from one to many uh, and, and make that shift which allowed a lot of information to get to a lot of people cheaper and faster. And what the internet has allowed us to do now is go many to many. Many people in different parts of the world collaborating to bring information to many people. That's really the end of that process. There isn't another step to go. You know, one to one, one to many, many to many, that's, that's the end of it. So uh, that's just a simple example. I, I think you will reach a point where we've gone as far as we can go uh, in terms of fast and disruptive change. And we will, again, have reached saturation points in the change we can actually uh, absorb. Um, and, and this is why it's important. I use the, the word disruption uh, here, and it's a negative word, obviously, but we don't only mean it negatively. And I, and I think this is, for me, the, the message I want to, to get across in this hour, is that, yes, the world is changing dramatically, but that brings both threats and opportunities uh, for us. It brings threats and opportunities in our personal lives, uh, as well as in our, in our businesses. Great. So, what disruptive changes then should we be, you know, particularly watching? I, I think there's five, and, and and my team at tomorrow today have come up with what what I think is a very easy model uh, to remember and and use. We call these the tides of change, and, and it's an acronym, the tides. So the T stands for technology. We we've just been talking about that, and it's always the starting point. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Chris. When we're talking about these things, people always latch onto technology. It is the thing we see uh, most often in in our lives, and the technology changes around us are are remarkable. Our ability to to capture, process, analyze, and use data is unprecedented, and it's allowing us to do everything from Google's driverless car which where the car gathers data about what's going on about it and then decides how to drive. And, and the Google's driverless car is now legal in the state of Nevada, by the way. Um, and, and it goes all the way across to our ability to sequence DNA. You know, just 12 years ago, it, it took 18 governments, 27 companies, and, and however many billion dollars to sequence one person's DNA over a decade. Now you can have it done in three hours for about $400. Um, and, and that's remarkable, our ability to know what's going on inside our body, bodies. And all of that is technology and, and the impact of technology in our world. Uh, the I in the TIDES model stands for institutional change. This has got to do with the rules for success and failure in the various structures of society and the world. So uh, let's talk business. That, that's what we're here to talk in this show. So the rules for success and failure in almost every industry are, are being rewritten uh, right now. Um, you know, who is your customer? Where is your customer? What's a good margin? Uh, how transparent do you have to be? Uh, how do you uh, interact and connect with others? All of those rules are being rewritten. Um, so T for technology, I for institutional change, D is for demographics. Um, this is the science of, of studying population groups. Um, we had our seven billionth person join us on, on planet Earth last year. 31st of October is, is what the United Nations uh, pegged it as. Uh, but that seven billion people is looking remarkably different. We've got a lot more older people uh, in, in the world, for instance. More than half of all the people who have ever turned 80 are still alive. I and mean, There's a stat to wake you up. Wow. 
on a Friday. Um, and, and so we need to see that the, the, the structure of, of demographics, the structure of society is different. The, the E stands for the environment. Um, that's an obvious one. We, many people talk about that, and, and I think it's familiar to us, our use of natural resources, the changes in weather patterns, and so on. And finally, the S in the TIDES model stands for social values. This is really people's expectations of what is normal and, and how we live our lives. Uh, and social values are shifting, um, as all of the other things shift as well. So those are the five forces that we suggest people uh, as individuals and, and companies in, in their uh, strategic thinking that they keep their eyes on. I think there's a, <clears throat> there's a couple of things there in what you just shared that kind of stick out for me. The first one is Google making cars or involved with the Google car. I mean, that's what's no, well, who would have, who would have seen that coming up? Well, well, this is the thing, and, and there are so many examples. I, I know you've had guests over the last few months who've, who've, who've talked about this topic because it is just so frightening. Who is likely to ambush your industry? Or if we're talking to smaller entrepreneurs, this is very exciting, and this is, again, the threat and opportunity of disruptive change. As smaller entrepreneurs, we have the wonderful opportunity to ambush huge industries which just... 10 or 20 years ago were inaccessible to small players or to people from emerging markets. You know, so do Ford and Toyota really think Google's their next competition? Well, did Sony and EMI ever think that Apple was going to be their competition in the music industry? Um, you, you know, and, and, and who would have thought that yellow pages really wouldn't exist? And did the Swiss watch make ever see Swatch coming. Uh, you know, you can go to almost any industry you like and see how technology um, and social value changes and demographics have all uh, disrupted us. But I guess it shows the opportunity maybe to be able to go into a market that might seem very mature with mature players and actually get in there and do something different and shake it up. Well, your best examples are, are coming out of the woodwork this week. You know, the banking industry is doing its best to shoot itself in the foot at the moment. And that gives opportunities for smaller players who, who come in and provide different ways of, of transacting, different ways of transferring money, different ways of accepting credit card payments. Uh, and all over the world, these small little startup companies are, are coming in and, and playing with the big boys. Uh, it's, a, it's a wild time, but an exciting time. I, and we've got about a, a minute or two until we go to commercial break, but I just wondered, you know, from your perspective of view is what are the consequences if we don't adapt to cope with this? Well, uh, should I just give you a few names? Let's start with Kodak uh, and move to Nokia. Um, and we can add to the list, uh, you know, pick an industry and we can give you some names. Uh, if you're in an organization right now, the implication, uh, the threat is that you could disappear. Uh, Kodak must have thought they were impregnable. The, the pharmaceuticals think they're impregnable. The banks think they're impregnable, but they're not. As individuals, we've got a similar situation emerging. If computers are heading the way we know they are, how much longer are we going to need accountants for, or lawyers, or even doctors, you know, the, the, the GPs? Uh, and these are big thoughts, and I don't think enough people are, are having these big thoughts. And that's the point of really pushing this, this um, issue of disruptive change. This really is an unprecedented time in history. Amazing. Well, I think that sounds like a, a very good point there to go to commercial break. After the break, we shall start to look at uh, some of the key factors 
that uh, influence disruptive change. Um, we'll also find out um, from Graham about uh, Hannah's rules and why all this area is so important to him. So we're back again um, after the commercial break in another couple of minutes. So do stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Booster your business. Come join Jenny B and discover the keys to your success. Each week, our program will help you earn more cash and rewards with less effort. You may even be inspired to join the lucrative world of party planning and direct sales. Discover how you can boost bookings, sales, and recruits. Come learn what you need to do to build your team with recognition and rewards. Listen for Booster Your Business with Jenny B. every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of bemoreachievemore.com and cc1consulting.com. Um, I'm talking to uh, Graham Codrington about disruptive change. And Graham... Let's, um, let's ask you, I'd just be really interested to know from a personal perspective, you know, why is this subject important to you? Because, you know, often I find with, with guests, there's maybe been a trigger in their life or something, which has then led them to dedicating their life to something. I wonder, yeah, tell us a bit about why this is important. Yeah, you, you warned me about this, this uh, question, and it's a great one, because uh, I, as I thought about it, it, it really goes back to about 12, 13 years ago. I'm... I was just about to embark on a master's of, of sociology. I, I had started my working career at KPMG, um, studying in, in, in the um, CPA, the, the Chartered Accountancy role, and had gone from there into the IT industry. Um, I was very interested in, in working with young people and had, and had done some work and studies around that, uh, and kind of hadn't really picked up a, a, a career path been dabbling in my 20s in a number of different ways, and but really became very interested in, in people and engaging uh, with people. And as, as I say, I was, was about to embark on a Master's of Sociology, which would have then eventually be followed up by a, a Doctorate of Business Administration. And my first uh, daughter was, was born uh, 13 years ago. And at just the same time, I met the two guys who then became my business partners. We founded our company Tomorrow Today uh, uh, 10 years ago. And so there was this, this sort of moment in time, this sort of year or, or, or so we were heading up to Y2K. Remember that mm. crisis at, at the end mm. of the millennium? And, 
And, and so there was this, the world felt as if it just was very unsettled. It was unsettled uh, in, in my personal life and unsettled in my family. Uh, and I really just felt that the businesses that I had been involved in at, at KPMG, being involved in a number of different companies and industries, auditing and consulting into them, and then doing the same thing for a number of years in the IT industry, just really felt that there were n that businesses were not ready for massive and significant change that was especially going to come through young people. And, and becoming a, a father for the first time, I, I now have uh, three daughters, uh, and, and you know, seeing these, these uh, kids grow up where all of the technology we were talking about is just normal for them. You know, they've grown up in a world where there are no mysteries anymore. You can't ask hypothetical questions anymore. You, you ask a hypothetical question, they jump on the internet and they've got the answer in 30 seconds for you. Um, everything that can be known uh, can be known um, now, here. And we call them the digital natives uh, in our company. We, we talk about these young people who've grown up in this, this world. And I just realized that the world of work, business, was not anywhere near ready. Uh, to engage with them, and that I really wanted to be involved in helping companies to get ready for them and helping young people to get ready for, for the world that lay ahead, uh, because parents uh, don't know how to raise these kids. We can't go back to our own childhood experiences uh, and find things that we can pass on to our own children. So I don't know. I don't know if that sounds like a confusing answer, but it's, it, it really, strangely, was, was my, my children and recognizing in, in them and all of their friends and, and the cohort of young people uh, who are growing up now that they are a very different group of people. They're not just younger versions of us. And we're not ready for them and they're not ready for us. Do, so, do you want to just share with us, uh, you know, I mentioned Hannah's Rules earlier, and that just seems like a nice point to just mention because Hannah's Rules is very much about one of your daughters, isn't it? Yeah, it, uh, it's just right. So this is my, my middle daughter, uh, Hannah, and when she was six years old, um, so this is now six years ago, five, five years ago, we, we were, she had been at school, she had been studying uh, about uh, pollution. And again, I try to think back when I was six at school, what were we talking about? I mean, I, I can't imagine we were talking about pollution and global warming and things. There's probably dinosaurs and Star Wars. Um, but she's very intense and she really was getting a, a really uptight about pollution and litter. And, and we were on the, on the motorway driving behind a, a, a truck that was really belching out diesel fuel and and Hannah in the back seat was getting more and more irate at this this truck that was polluting the air so as I pulled out to overtake it and get out uh, from this diesel cloud we drove past the, the truck and it was a delivery van and on the side was a was a particular make of crisps and and Hannah just looked at the crisps uh, at the thing and she said dad is that truck delivering those crisps and I said yeah and she said I will never eat them again and this was five years ago, and she never has. And I've, I've seen her at, at parties, uh, kind of emptying a bowl of those crisps into the dustbin so nobody else can eat them. She, we, she, we have a list on, on, on the, uh, in the house of products we can't buy. So if I buy the wrong type of toothpaste because it's been experimented on animals or we, you know, we, we shop at the wrong shop, Hannah still holds us to account. This is five years later. And, and that, the, the, the essence of, 
of that talk, which was, by the way, Chris, it was a once-off talk. It's, it's not really what I talk on or, uh, you know, the, the heart of business. But it just was such a, a moment for me uh, in my life of just recognizing here's a younger generation who are so focused on uh, making a change in the world and on engaging in disruptive change. They prepare to create those disruptions almost for them. And, and, and uh, you know, that's fantastic. And let's hope there's a, a whole generation um, there of uh, Hannahs who are doing that and because they may need to be, take responsibility for clearing up the legacy that we leave them. I think there are. You know, if you go on YouTube, you, you, you can have a look at all of these kids who now get to speak of the United Nations. I was speaking at an event in Norway just two weeks ago. Uh, Kofi Annan was, was speaking just before me, and, and they opened up his session to questions afterwards, and there were some school children who had been invited to visit, and they weren't shy at all. You know, this is the, the ex-General uh, Secretary of the United Nations. They stand up and they ask him a question, and, and he engaged with them magnificently, by the way. But uh, it just reminded me that all around the world there is a younger generation who are engaged they're more knowledgeable than they've ever been because of technology, ready to get involved, uh, I think, than we ever were. Uh, and I think it's exciting. I'm, I'm thrilled where we are in, in history. Uh, sure, I'm scared a little bit, but mainly I'm excited. I, I thought it amazing. One of my guests was sharing that uh, they'd met two young people. In fact, I actually was there at the time when they, they met them, but there were two uh, young people. They were, they were students, and they wanted to... They wanted to. The question they were ask, asked was, you know, which companies out there could that could I go and work for that would actually help in terms of making me a better person? Mm. And I just thought, what a cool answer, you know? What a isn't it fantastic? Because most people, I don't know about you, Graham, but when I sort of first went into the workplace, it was maybe you know who was going to give me the the better company car. Uh, that was what people were concerned about, and. I think it's just great to hear people talking like that today. We do a lot of work with big companies uh, in their HR departments, helping them to understand this this new generation. You know, so these these disruptive trends we're talking about really have an impact on on people and therefore on how businesses engage with those people. And almost every HR person I meet says the biggest change that's taken place in the last uh, few years, call it the last ten years maybe, has been that today's young candidates interview them. They interview the company uh, about their uh, environmental policies, ab about how I'm going to get benefit out of this. Uh, and it's a whole new way of engaging with a new generation. So that, that's what got me into this. Great stuff. So let's, let's move into then the key factors that we need to all consider for managing this disruptive change. What yeah, are they? Yeah, we want to we want to be practical, don't we? I, you know, I, I don't think there are too many people listening to us talking today who would agree, who would disagree with with too much of what we've said. I wouldn't have thought. You, you know, I think we all know we're living through these these disruptive times. Uh, maybe I've been able to, to, to the, the, our tides model but puts a little bit of a framework around it to help people think about it. But there's no huge surprises there. So what do we really do about it, I, I suppose, is, is the key. And I'd like to suggest maybe there are four actions. And maybe we can just mention them and then we can unpack them over, over the rest of the show. Um, the first would be that you actually do need to keep your eyes open for change. You need to recognize where change is coming from and, and look actively look for future trends. 
And um, so the tides model is a, is a great way to do that, uh, for example. The second thing to do is that we have to develop in ourselves uh, what I call a personal orientation to change. Uh, we all like to think we're good at change, but we're not as good as we think we are. Um, and we really do need to actively, learning how to change is actually a skill. And it's not a skill we were taught at at school. Uh, the way that school is structured these days is actually to do the very opposite. It, it, school is designed or uh, was designed at the beginning of the industrial era, uh, just after the last major disruptive time in history. And, and it was very much about socializing children into a very structured way of living where the bell rings and you go to your next class and everything's organized and structured. And, and we, don't, we don't teach, we haven't learned how to manage ongoing change in our lives. So that's step two. We need to be able to do that. Thirdly, in a business environment, and but this could also apply in your personal lives, I suppose, you've got to create change before change happens to you. I, I refer to this as actively disrupting your business. Um, you, you know, the best form of defense is attack. They, they say it's a bit of a cliche, but in, in one sense it is. You've, you've got to not wait for the change to come to you. You've got to be bold enough to actively create disruption. And the fourth step would be, and this is a, an age-old quote, but, but a good one, uh, you know, the best way to predict the future is to, is to make it. And it's, it's to get on the, on the front foot and go out and choose the future you want. Um, and that, for me, is the, the wonder. We'll end, we'll end the show with this thought. It, it's this wonderful opportunity of living in a very disruptive time that we do actually have the ability to shape the future. Uh, and people can look back in a hundred years time and comment on what our generation did to choose the future that the, that the earth enjoys. And that's a remarkable privilege to live in a time like that. Great stuff. So what we'll do after the break then, as you mentioned, let's unpack these and help uh, people understand and think about how they can apply them. So we'll go to commercial break and we'll be back unpacking these in a, a few moments. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. 
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of bemoreachievemore.com and cc1consulting.com. And do um, subscribe to the newsletter at bemoreachievemore.com to be kept up to date with future shows and um, my thoughts on on past shows and things. Get lots of great feedback on that. So please do um, subscribe to that. Um, I won't inundate you with uh, information just uh, once a month. So um, back to uh, Graham. And we talked about the four um, the four considerations, really, when it comes to managing disruptive change. And we said after the break, we will unpack them. So let's unpack them. And let's start with the, the first point you made. And I, I noted down that you said, recognize where the change is coming from and look at future trends. I'll just explain what you mean by that and how we do it. Yeah, that, that's right. And that, that is the place to start. You know, to so many people, especially during the recession and the economic difficult times, uh, people are very focused, and rightly so, on doing their jobs. Uh, you know, I think in America they, they use the phrase getting into the weeds of the, of the business. Um, and that's important. It is important for survival. But we need to, every now and again, step back and, and look a little bit, lift our eyes to the horizon and see what's coming at us. Uh, see what some of those disruptions might be, what might change the world around us. So earlier on in the show, I, I suggested there's a model that might be useful. We call it the tides of change. Uh, it, it stands for technology, institutional change. Uh, institutional change is about the rules for success and failure in your industry, the demographics, uh, environmental issues, and then finally social values, what people expect and what their normals are. Um, and and it, it, those five, we believe, are the five most important causes of disruption. They're not the only things going on. Obviously, there's economics, there's politics, there's other issues specific to your industry. But those five forces, uh, we believe, will bring the most disruption in the next five to ten years. And what I would suggest is very simply allocate each of those, and maybe there are others you want to have a look at. Maybe politics is important specifically in your industry, so add that into the mix. Um, and allocate each one of those trends to a different person in your team. Um, tell them that they can have uh, half an hour a week uh, in, in which they uh, can spend time uh, reading magazines, doing online research, networking with other people. And just because they have that heads, they will then be able to focus in and then bring that information and back to the business. Maybe once every other month, five or six times a year, you get together and you give each person only five minutes and you say, the question is simple. What are you seeing right now that could disrupt our business in the next three to five years? Uh, and, and you just do that as a, as a habit in your business. You can do it with your family. You can do it in your personal life as well. The more we look uh, at what's going on around us, I think the more we will... It's not moving as fast as you think it is. Um, the trends don't come from nowhere. Uh, you know, the iPhone didn't just appear out of nowhere. 
anyone who was really watching would have been able to see it coming. It was launched five years ago with great fanfare. But then people would have seen the uptake and seen it moving and this move towards the interface that Apple uses would have been fairly obvious to anybody looking. So step one, look at what's going on around you and actively take time out of your diary to look at the future. And that's a good, that's a good idea because it's maybe people do tend to spend a lot of time, I guess, analyzing and numbers and things from the past and, and focusing on the here and now. And I think that's helpful just to, even if you're, we, we also have to put this in the context of maybe a solo entrepreneurs, but a lot of people listening to the show are thinking, well, actually, I don't have five people in my team. However, I can see that exercise as, as a, even an individual exercise or get, maybe getting a mastermind group for people in a similar kind of industry to you. That could be a really helpful, valuable You've all got friends as a solo entrepreneur. Get five friends and say, I volunteer to look at demographics and somebody else volunteers to look at technology and you, you get together for a, for a drink once a month and you, you ask the same question of each other. Great idea. Great idea. So let's move across to the second point then, a, a personal orientation towards change. Is that, not the, is that not the same thing that we've just been talking about? Is that something different? No, it isn't. This is now for you personally. And, and if you are a manager of a team, this is helping your, your team to do this. If you're a parent, this is also teaching your children. The skills required to uh, change. Uh, now, let me give you a practical example. We were doing a, a workshop on this a topic, as, as we often do with our clients. And we, we had this particular one was done overnight. We started in an afternoon and we had the, the whole of the second day with them. And so just uh, as uh, for something different, I, I said to people at the end of the first day, I said, you probably don't know this, but you get when you get dressed in the morning, there is an order in which you do things. And I bet you none of you would even be able to tell me what the order is. And many of you would even argue with me that there is no order. You, you, it's different every day. But it isn't. Uh, and check yourselves out on this, by the way, tomorrow morning. And so what I did was I, I said, just change the order. Deliberately mix it up. If, if you normally put your shirt on first and, and then your trousers on second, you know, deliberately try and, and disrupt yourself. Try and make some change. And... Um, the following morning, everybody came in and, you know, it was a bit of a buzz and some people did laugh and realized they didn't, thought they didn't have an order they do. But two guys came in and they looked completely disheveled, unshaven, hair not done. And we kind of looked at them and said, whoa, you look like you had a real rough night, you know. And they said, no, 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 actually, it's embarrassing, but this is what's happened. Normally, we shave and do our hair before we put our clothes on. So, you know, both of them had disrupted and put their clothes on first. But then they had both been interrupted in different ways. One had had a phone call from home and one had suddenly thought of an idea that he wanted to jot down. And because they were then interrupted in their normal procedure, they kind of in their mind, they said, well, I've got all my clothes on. I must be finished. And they had walked out. And so they'd just forgotten a whole section of what they were supposed to do every morning. It sounds like a silly example. And a lot of these things are silly examples. But it's about we create rhythms in our lives in order to protect ourselves from change. And all I'm saying is we need to teach ourselves to be more confident with regular change. So here's a, a fun thing to do with your kids. When you're taking them to school in the car, if you do, uh, or wherever you travel with them. As you leave your driveway, flick a coin. Heads is right, tails is left. 
And do that every time you come to an intersection. Do it five or six times. And then wherever you are, that's your starting point for getting to school that morning. Uh, again, it sounds like something so simple, but many of you will be stressed out by doing that. Um, and what you're trying to teach your children is it doesn't matter where you start as long as you know where you're going. Um, you can't be lost if you know where you're going. Um, you know, don't worry, even if we get lost, uh, we can have fun doing it. These are all lessons they're never going to learn at school, um, but are vital life lessons. I think you make a very good point. I certainly see with my elder son who's six years old that he does he just gets can get stuck in patterns of behavior which he can become very comfortable with and and maybe as you say maybe you're actually helping them by occasionally you know ch making things change and doing different things um could be very helpful for their future lives perhaps so we we have a simple rule in our house you you may not say no to something until you've done it uh so when we go out to a, a restaurant we in invariably ask each of the children to order at least one thing they've never tried before. And, and when it comes and they look at it and they go, oh, look at that squid's head or whatever it is, uh, you say, well, you, don't, you can't say, oh, because you haven't tasted it yet. If they taste it and don't like it, fine, no problem. Now you, now you don't have to eat it. But that's about a personal orientation to change. It's about putting yourself in, in situations where you, you are forced to change and you learn the skill of changing. And it's, it's more than a skill. It's, it's almost overcoming our innate desire to not change. Um, and that's something we can learn. Great. So it's about not becoming a creature of habit. Well, we do need the habits because the, the habits make our lives flow. But it's about recognizing that I have the ability to change this habit when and if I need to. Great. Great. So, so the, the, the next point you talked about was actively disrupting your own business and job. Now, why would you want to do that? Well, this kind of flows on from the previous one. Now that you have the ability to change, uh, all I'm suggesting, and I'm not, I'm not talking about breaking your business and, and, and going overboard, but instead of waiting for change to happen to you, you need to be actively experimenting with, with changes. Uh, and, and changes normally in small ways. Actually, our biggest issue is not huge change. It's the cumulative effect of hundreds of small changes that actually stress us out. And we can get ahead of the curve by constantly making small changes uh, to our business. Not, not tinkering and fiddling with our business, but asking yourself the what-if questions or the why-not questions. Uh, so as a solo entrepreneur, you might have a particular market that you feel very comfortable in. And you might ask yourself, where could I, what other industries could I go to that I've never been to before? Why have I never been to them before? How, what would I need to do? What is, is there a blockage in my business that's stopping me going to that other industry? And then actively break that blockage. Even though you can't see all the way down the path you're opening up for yourself, kick a fence down and start walking. Uh, if you realize you've made a mistake, turn around and run back. Um, but get into the habit of asking, do it, do it once a month. Ask yourself for July, what can I do that I've never done before? And, let, and, and then see what happens. It's just habit. Great idea. Great idea. So 
I think the final point you mentioned when we've got a, just a couple of minutes is, and we can go on into the next section if we want to, but was um, about the best way to predict the future is to create the future. Um, you know, we're talking here about getting on the front foot. Yeah, it, to be honest, this, this isn't really a, a fourth thing to do. It's more just a summary of the others. If you do the other three things, if you're looking at the future, if you have a personal comfort level with change and you're prepared to experiment in your business, you will change your business. You will change your life. And all I'm saying with the fourth point is be happy with that. Be more than happy with that. Realize that that is, in fact, what this moment of time is that, that we're living in. Right at the top of the show, I suggested that we were living in a remarkable time of human history, of unprecedented change. And this fourth point of creating the future, getting on the front foot, is really about getting you to recognize how significant uh, a change period that we're in. If, if This is a wonderful time in history. If you're not happy with your job, change it. If you're not happy with your life, change it. Many of our ancestors never had that opportunity. Um, and so it's about almost an attitude to saying that this world we live in is a very, very exciting place to live in. Fabulous. Well, I would li I'd like to know after the break um, what you've done with these and I mean, how you've used them to uh, change uh, your work and your, your business. So let's, um, let's come into that after the commercial break and hopefully we'll get lots of ideas from that as well. So speak again shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you are looking for both an inside and insightful look at what you're not seeing in media coverage of today's legal, business, and policy battles, Tune into In the Court of Public Opinion with host Jim Haggerty. What happens in the public arena affects us all. Whether you're following the latest high-profile court case, corporate crisis, or are just interested in government and policy, be sure to tune in every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The witnesses are ready and the jury seated. So join us for our next session in the Court of Public Opinion. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchievemore.com and CC1Consulting.com and I'm delighted to be here with Graeme Codrington. We've been talking about disruptive change and uh, Graeme, you've, you've shared, uh, I think, your excellent tides of change model uh, to think about and given us some really good ideas, I think a practical idea of actually to sit down there with a team of people and work through them. Uh, you also uh, talked um, about, um, you know, uh, working with ourselves and, and uh, helping our, uh, ourselves sort of adapt to, to change um, and, and your business and, and some really good thoughts there. But I think what would be really helpful right now is really to have a th to perhaps you share some, some examples and maybe some personal examples about how you've actually personally taken this and applied it and, and gained significant value for you and your customers. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I suppose the, the best example, it's not the best, it's certainly the, the biggest example of disruptive change for me uh, happened as it happened, I suppose, for many companies uh, around the 2008 financial crash. Uh, in, in September 2008, I had just moved my family from South Africa, uh, Johannesburg, where I started my business, and we had just moved uh, to London. Uh, we had a, a number of retainer clients. Uh, uh, we were doing consulting and, and work with these clients in their, their marketing departments, actually helping them uh, to engage across different generations and to use uh, technology, um, especially the sort of early forms of, of social media and that. And um, there was enough work uh, here with a, a new team that we had formed in the UK uh, to get our, our, our company tomorrow today growing uh, here in Europe and, and, and in the UK. And uh, so I moved my family across in, in the August of 2008. And uh, 15th of September 2008, Lehman Brothers collapsed and the, the current recession we're in began. Um, and... Uh, Within a few weeks, the retainers that we had got had been cancelled. Companies all around the world were, were cancelling training and, and consulting programs and cancelling conferences. And those are the three ways that our business makes money. And, and so we were in a big hole. We, I was in a hole personally. The company was, it was, was in difficult times. And we, we couldn't just kind of carry on with businesses as usual. And what we did was we, we sat down and, and we had a look at these future trends and, and we said where is technology taking us in in the conferencing space so I do a lot of keynote presenting at conferencing um, you know technology is really changing the way that information is 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 processed and transferred and and we began to look at new ways of transferring information new ways of presenting our information that was a lot more in the um, edutainment space um, our, our view was that people can get information for free, um, so we have to package our information in a way that's both accessible and entertaining and memorable. And so we were forced to go and change our style of presenting, our, our approach to content development. We, we changed from an institutional change perspective, we, we changed some of our contracting approaches. Um, in, in, in the way that we engaged with, with clients. Some of our clients weren't happy with that, but it, it's really worked with us, uh, worked for us. And so on. So it, it, it was really just we were forced essentially by circumstances to go and say not just how do we take what we used to do in our business and do it better. You know, and that's the most way that businesses go forward. Last year plus 10%. Um, and we really were forced, but I'm glad we were forced, to disrupt, to say what things have we thought were at the heart of our business that actually need to change. 
So if, if I can throw that to the people listening, I, I would say sit down and, and ask what are the three unbreakable rules of your business? If, you were to, if somebody were to ask you what three things do you have to do or can you not do in order to succeed in our business? And then over maybe a glass of wine or, or, or a time when you can just sit back and kick off the shoes and think about it, ask yourself what happens if we change those? What happens if those rules were not rules anymore? Uh, and, and that's a great thought experiment to, to help companies. Great, great idea. Um, and do you, have any, uh, do you have any other examples from maybe you know, your, your clients, uh, how they've been kind of yeah. inspired by the work that you've done? And Well, one, one of our best examples, one of the best uh, clients that we worked with was, was a bank. Uh, the, a few tens of thousands of, of customers and every month they take a sampling of those customers and they would send them a letter inviting them to take out a personal loan, you know, standard direct mail marketing type stuff. Um, but they were very much a, a, a team of people who were in their 40s, had been doing this for years. They had a very good take-up rate in, in terms of response to direct mail um, and response to banking products. It was a nice profitable part of the business. Um, and all we did was we said, well, do you think that everybody from every age group is going to respond to your direct mail piece in precisely the same way? And when you ask the question that way, the answer is no. Um, and we brought up this demographic piece. We were talking earlier about the digital natives and the younger Generation X, Generation Y. And they suddenly realized their whole team was older then half of the customers they were serving, and they didn't have the mindset required. So what we did was we, we took their direct mail piece, we adjusted it, we changed some of the images, changed some of the calls to action, and we, we more than doubled their response rate within three months. Fantastic. I'm, I'm just um, interested, actually. I was thinking back while you were saying that um, to, to what you were saying before, and I, I wonder, you know, do we wait for that time of... Of when we're in a, cri a bit of a crisis or a, a dip, I mean, because that is often the time when we start to dig deep and, and and think of new ideas. Or should we be, you know, building this future thinking into what we're doing on an ongoing basis, so we're not we're not just reacting to a critical situation? I know it it must be built in uh, in advance. It, you know, it, it never waste a good crisis is is a great piece of advice. I <laughs> probably got that from my mother, to be honest. But, you know, never waste a good crisis is good advice. But to wait for a crisis before you start thinking about the future is insanity. Um, we really do need to build this into our ongoing, uh, what we do as a business. And, and leaders in businesses need to build this into what they hold their teams accountable for. And just as an individual, you need to build this uh, uh, into your own life before uh, you need it. Um, so if you are in crisis, use the crisis, but don't wait until a crisis to start thinking about how you can make disruptions. If you are, you just need to look around and see Nokia, for example. And Nokia were famously, for many years, the business case study of a company that saw a new market and disrupted their old business. They were in wood products and rubber products and household goods and gumboots and all sorts of things. And they saw the telecoms market coming. 
and fantastic news. They rushed at it. But then they didn't keep disrupting themselves. They got to the top of the game and everybody in the world had a Nokia and Neo in the Matrix was using a Nokia into the planet. And, you know, wow, we're, we're amazing as a company. Fantastic. I wonder if you've got a final, we've got about uh, a minute left um, until I need to wrap up. Have you got a final message that you'd like to leave for the listeners? Yeah, well, don't, don't be Nokia, don't be Kodak, don't be the guys who don't see the change coming. The privilege of living in, in the times that we live in is that we do have the ability to, to shape the future. Uh, our blog is called New World of Work. Uh, it's .co.uk. We, we're based here in London. But that's really what I think we have the opportunity to build now, this new world of work. It's what I get out of bed for every morning, and I hope that uh, through this hour we've inspired uh, some people to join me in creating this uh, remarkable new era uh, that will, uh, I think, be looked back uh, on from history. Uh, and people will have wondered what it was like to live in such amazing times. Fantastic. Is it new world? Uh, I've got um, grahamcodrington.com. Um, yeah, grahamcodrington.com is my, my personal site um, and newworldofwork.co.uk.co.uk. Fantastic. I just got a, a mess, an, an email actually before I came on to Graham saying, you know, congratulations. Uh, it's great to see your name on uh, one of the best newsletters that I've ever um, have coming into my inbox and they mentioned showed me uh, graham's newsletter so um if you're interested in the future and the change um it's clearly a good newsletter i actually subscribed myself today so uh, thank you so much for joining us graham it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you cheers thanks chris for the opportunity uh, you're very welcome uh, and just uh, just to finally uh, sort of um mentioned that um, our show next week, uh, we've got a, an interesting uh, show. We've got um, a, a Brad Burton and Terry Cooper. Um, Brad is somebody who actually went from being in debt and selling pizzas at the weekend to within six years having a major uh, networking business, being a, a, mot a top motivational speaker and a, uh, and a successful author. So a completely grounded um, show next week with some very grounded um, practical advice on um, getting yourself um, uh, quickly into uh, business uh, success. So look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thanks very much again to Graham Codrington and have a fabulous week, whatever you're doing. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com.